I'm Cook Svensson and welcome back to Hempson's Health and Social Care Law podcast. I work in Hempson's client services team and today I'm joined by Alison Oliver, Russ Clark, Justin Kompelich and Kirsty Dell, who are all lawyers in our specialist GP team. This podcast looks at the network contract desk for 2020-21. Hello everybody. Hi Park. Hi Park. Hi Park. Okay Justin, over to you. Um, thank you, Park. So I am going to ask Ross, Allison, and Kirsty to take us through the new DES specification, which is to be implemented by primary care networks, or PCNs, as we say now. The new network um, contract DES specification was published on the 31st of March 2020. This may have passed some of us by with the focus that we're having on COVID-19 at the moment, but um, Ross, this spec is much more comprehensive uh, than the previous one. Do practices need to start all over again with the PCM process? Uh, well, the first thing to say, uh, Justin, is that there are many things that are actually unchanged. It, it, it does include a, a lot of what was uh, included previously. So, for example, the eligibility requirements are the same. All PCNs must have a clinical director nominated PE for receiving network funds. The general principle of a combined patient list size of 30 to 50,000 remains, although there are exceptions to, to that general position um, uh, as well. Um, and and it, another important point to remember generally is that the uh, DES forms part of the core network practices primary care contracts. So although delivered collectively by the PCM practices, contractually it's incorporated to each individual uh, primary care contract of the practices. Um, and, and finally, one, one thing to, to note is actually the specification is much better structured, more detailed uh, than for previous uh, the previous year, and provides a lot of clarity on some points that were unclear. So generally, there are some changes which we'll you know highlight further in this podcast, but but, but a lot that remains unchanged. But uh, it's been clarified, and the structure of it's a bit neater. Well, that is a bit of a, re a relief because we've all worked very hard to get PCNs established in the last year. Um, so it's good to know that that is still the firm foundation going forward. But clearly, there are going to have to be some changes. So um, what do practices or PCNs need to do to sign up to the DES, Ross? Uh, well, the crucial date is 31st May, when practices need to sign up to notify the Commissioner of their intention to commit to the DES. Now, this applies whether practices are already in a PCN or whether they want to join a PCN for the first time or to form a new PCN. And also, uh, any existing PCNs that have undergone changes, such as to their core network practices or clinical directors, also need to notify these changes by 31st May. So that's uh, a deadline that uh, PCNs need to be aware of. Um, one other thing that has been clarified, a, a new element, is the process for practices that haven't found a PC home, uh, a PCN home. And in this case, the Commissioner now has the ability to force a PCN to accept a practice, uh, although they, they will be required to engage with the LMC to try and reach agreement on that with, with the relevant PCN where possible. That does sound a little bit scary with the Commissioner being able to force practices into a PCN. But as you say, there are clear provisions which provide a process to assist an amicable solution, as long as it is followed properly. Um, thank you, Ross. So um, turning to you, Alison, could you tell us a bit more about what's new in the DES this year? 
Uh, yes, Justin. So, of course, the most important change is that new services have been introduced. So the extended hours access service continues from last year, but the enhanced health in care home service, structured medication reviews and early cancer diagnosis are all introduced this year for the first time. The start dates for structured medication reviews and early cancer diagnosis have been deferred until the 1st of October. Uh, now, although the Enhanced Health and Care Home Service starts straight away, certain key targets had been deferred until later in the year, but NHS England earlier this week indicated that they'd bring forward from October to May the national rollout of key elements of this service, and we're expecting them to publish further details shortly, so that may have an impact on timeframes. Um, PCNs also have to provide a social prescribing link worker service throughout this contract year. Um, and there have also been some changes to the additional roles reimbursement scheme. Thank you, Alison. The additional roles reimbursement scheme is key for PCNs, of course. Um, could you tell us a little more about that? Yes, of course. So some new roles have been added into the reimbursement scheme this year. For example, physician associates, dietitians, and first contact physiotherapists. So there are now 10 reimbursable roles in total. Uh, PCNs do have some flexibility to choose between the different roles, subject to a maximum reimbursement per role and up to a total maximum reimbursement of just over £7.13 per PCN patient. Um, so the PCNs will have to submit a workforce plan for the current contract year by the end of August. And after that, unclaimed funding opens up to bids from other PCNs. And this is a helpful change in, in the new uh, specification as it clarifies the process for unused funding to be accessed. Um, and finally, Justin, it's just worth noting that the principle of additionality does still apply. So this um, means that re reimbursement is still only available for roles above a baseline established at the 31st of March 2019. So this does have the potential to cause problems for PCNs if practices lose staff who are counted within the baseline and they're not replaced by the practice, um, as this could affect the PCNs additional roles funding, although there's now a two-month leeway to fill those vacancies. Yes, thank you, Alison. It is so important to look at the detail of these things, and um, unfortunately in this podcast we can't go into that detail. But if practices had employed a um, clinical pharmacist, for example, they're going to have to look to make sure um, that they get the funding um, they expect, because there were, of course, those two schemes that um, operated beforehand. Um, and PCNs now have the potential to be quite big employers. And if they have taken on the role um, of lead practice um, under that model, it does seem all a bit daunting. Um, but I, of course, they do have the option to um, um, to, to ask others to employ uh, uh, staff, haven't they, Kirsty? Yes, that's right, Justin. Um, they don't have to employ the roles themselves. So the new specification makes it clear that PCNs can either do it themselves or they can subcontract to other organisations. So, for example, that might be federations or GP provider organisations. Um, when it comes to subcontracting, it's, it's always been the case that subcontracting clinical services has been permitted under the DES, subject to compliance with the requirements of the core primary care contracts. But the DES goes a little further um, and includes reference to subcontracting non-clinical services as well. 
So in either case, whether clinical or non-clinical, commissioner consent is required for those subcontracting arrangements, although that consent should not be unreasonably withheld or delayed. Thank you. That's interesting. So if a PCN is subcontracting employment of its additional roles to another organisation, like a GP federation, um, it can still claim the funding under the DES? Yes, yes, that's right. Um, PCNs can claim the reimbursement in the same way as if they employ the additional roles themselves, um, as long as it's clear that the additional roles are used for PCN work. There's also an additional sum of £2,400 per annum available for PCNs who subcontract the social prescribing link worker service, but that's the only service where an additional subcontract payment is available. Yes, that's interesting. So that means that um, where other roles are subcontracted, uh, the reimbursement is only going to be for the cost of that person, so that their salary, national insurance, tax, pension contributions and so on. Um, so any administrative costs would have to be um, paid by the practices or the PCN to that subcontractor and they'd have to find the money, well, most logically out of the um, uh, PCN participation payment that they receive. Um, there is an there is, of course, um, an increasing emphasis on integration of services generally, and this comes across in the DES. Um, Ross, could you tell us something about that? Of course, Justin. Um, there's an express requirement in the DES for PCNs to agree uh, with other providers in their area how they'll work together, uh, particularly to form um, multidisciplinary teams. So by 30th of September this year, 2020, they have to include in their network agreement details of arrangements with community services providers. And interestingly, CCGs are uh, given a role they're required to assist in that process by facilitating the agreement of these arrangements. So that's uh, um, community services providers by 30th September 2020. Uh, and by 31st of March 2021, they must do the same for community mental health and community pharmacy providers. So what they need to do is work through the specifics of how network, network services will be delivered through the integrated working and the multidisciplinary teams, what the arrangements are, and crucially how joint decisions will be taken, which could be a sort of tricky governance issue for all, kind, all of the organisations involved to consider. So there's quite a lot for PCNs to think about and then action here. So they first of all need to identify who they would work with. They then need to sort of negotiate and discuss how they will work with those providers and resolve issues such as um, joint decision making. And then of course record all of that in their network agreements. Yeah, that's, that's right, Ross. And of course, just to, to pick up on the um, Enhanced Health and Care Home Service, um, which specifically requires PCNs to form multidisciplinary teams to facilitate delivery of that, that particular service. Um, and again, in the specification, PCNs only have until the end of September to establish those teams. But as I mentioned earlier, NHS England have indicated that they intend to bring forward some dates for implementation of the care home service so it might well be necessary for PCNs to establish those teams more quickly and we're, we're waiting for further details on that. Yeah, so um, PCNs have um, really got to do quite a bit um, in um, not a very easy environment at the moment because you've got to go and talk to these people but of course in the lockdown um, that means arranging calls and so on and then um, 
agreeing how you're going to work together. To some extent, that might be mapped out already in, the, in Schedule 7 of your PCN agreement, but um, others might need to be thinking more carefully how they're going to um, structure that going forward. Kirsty, um, Ross mentioned earlier that the DES forms part of a core network practices primary care contract. Could you explain a little more how that might impact on the practices where there are breaches of the DES? Yes, of course. Um, so the DES makes it clear that practices are collectively responsible for delivering the PCN's obligations. Um, and therefore, each practice is in breach of both the DES and their own primary care contract if any single practice causes the PCN to be in breach of its DES obligations. So there are contract management provisions in the DES that make it clear that the commissioner doesn't expect to issue breach notices under the primary care contracts. So the usual approach would be for the commissioner to work collaboratively with the PCN to come up with a remedial action plan when things go wrong. But if that action plan can't be agreed or the breach isn't remedied and, and continues, the commissioner could take action under one or more of the practice's core contracts. That's interesting, isn't it? Because that is the, the um, route in for the commissioner. It is going through the practice's core contracts, their GMS or PMS contracts. So um, we do know, though, that commissioners are reluctant, very reluctant, to terminate a contract. I mean, in, in the end, there's a patient list behind this that needs to be looked after. So um, we don't expect that the uh, this there's a specification or con uh, contract for 2020 is going to be used as a tool to beat practices with at all. Um, and I'm sure we'll see the same um, cooperation and um, assistance from the LMCs and so on to find solutions. Um, so um, would you, but would you expect a termination of the practices core contract, Kirsty? So in, in theory, it, it could happen, um, but the DES suggests that the commissioner would, would first look to terminate participation in the DES of the practice that's in breach, rather than go into that extreme measure of, of terminating any core contract. Um, but it really does highlight how important it is for PCNs to have provisions in their network agreements that enable them to take action internally where a particular practice is causing the other practices to be in breach of the DES and then also their own core contracts. That's a very good point. Thanks, Kirsty. Yeah. Um, so, Alison, um, does the, uh, this DES is for a period until 31st of March 2021. What happens after that? Yes, that's right, Justin. So this specification uh, go, runs until the 31st of March 2021, but the network DES as a whole is expected to roll on until at least the 31st of March 2024. We'd expect that each year a new specification will be published, probably in a similar format to this one. Um, and this DES states that practices will automatically be enrolled in subsequent DES specifications unless they opt out. Uh, so that's obviously network DES specifications. Um, this also applies where there are in-year variations to the network contract DES. So practices would have a month from the publication of a variation or a new network DES specification to opt out. And if they don't, their participation will roll over automatically. 
Um, it's also worth pointing out, Justin, that this is an all or nothing rollover or opt out. So you either commit to the whole DES or to none of it. Yeah, thank you, Alison. Um, really important then that people keep an eye on for these new specifications coming out and um, immediately consider them. And would also have to talk, of course, not only to the other PCN practices, uh, other practices in their PCN, but also with the people who they're collaborating with. Uh, so what happens to the patients of a practice that opts out? Well, if a practice opts out or if they leave the PCN for any reason, for example, if their core contract terminates or if they're expelled by the other PCN practices, uh, the commissioners would negotiate with the remaining practices of that PCN or potentially with other PCNs for them to provide services to patients of the non-participating practice. Um, and that would be dealt with through a local agreement between the PCN and the commissioner, so outside the DES. Thank you, Alison. Um, you mentioned expulsion of practices um, earlier on, Ross, uh, which sounds a bit uh, frightening. Are are PCNs free to expel practices? Uh, well, Justin, as in a partnership for a traditional practice, they would need to have a provision in their network agreement which would set out the grounds for expulsion and the process to be followed uh, as between themselves to expel a member from a PCN. Um, in addition, um, as the Commissioner approves the composition of a PCN and any changes to it, their approval is needed. And so it's not just a matter for the for the um, PCN, uh, the Commissioner also has a role to play here. And the new death specification makes it clear that prior approval for any expulsion is needed. So that really goes beyond the provision of a GMS and PMS contract uh, and an individual partnership agreement for a practice um, where, where partners have more freedom to expel or admit as they wish. So for PCN, uh, it needs to be in the network agreement, but in addition, Commissioner consent is also required. Thank you, Ross. So, in conclusion, I would say that we are starting to see how PCNs are going to become a very important part for the provision of primary health care for the population they serve. And part of what the spec is showing is that there needs to be some control over it by the Commissioner, so we can expect their role to be that much greater. It is encouraging that all that hard work to form PCNs and get their agreements together with robust agreements are going to be a proper foundation for the specification in 2020. New members can join. There are 10 additional roles that can be added and you can subcontract. So all of that can be looked at and to see what is best for you. There needs to be integration and collaboration with other primary health care and community care providers and some rules need to be set out in your Schedule 7 of your agreements. There are remedies for breaches of the contract and any that are put in the agreement needs to be consistent with those. Going forward, we need to be aware of the specifications which are coming out and any variations and also the auto-enrolment at the end of the year. Clearly a lot for practices to be aware of and to watch for those deadlines. We have published a summary of those on our website so that you can have a ready reckoner to look at. And if you do have any questions, please do get in touch with us.
Great. Thank you. That wraps up today's podcast. That's been really interesting and I'm sure everyone listening will have found it really useful. If anyone out there does need more specific advice from Ross, Alison, Kirsten, Justin, their contact details are on our website www.hempsons.co.uk. Also, please don't forget to subscribe to, like and share our podcast and even better, write a review on your podcast app. So that just leaves me to say thank you so much to Ross, Alison, Kirsten, Justin and to everyone listening. See you soon.